Welcome to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, holistic health coach, clinical herbalist, and functional medicine pharmacist, or just holistic pharmacist for short. Whether you're a healthcare professional helping to support the health of your clients or going through your personal healing journey, I believe you will find yourself right at home with this podcast. My co-hosts and I will be merging the scientific with the holistic all season long, as well as sharing stories that will touch your heart and challenge your mind. Please enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I want to welcome you back to the Holistic Pharmacy podcast this week. And today I actually have a returning guest on the show, Dr. Frida Wiley, who was previously on episode 15 of season four. And I'll link to that in the show notes so you can take a look. Interestingly, we have the reverse numbers today at season five, episode 14. So that's an interesting numerology pattern. Anyway, we talked about the impact of working from home in this episode and what it means for our overall well-being, productivity, and social norms, both pre- and post-pandemic. Frida Wiley PharmD suffered some hard knocks working from home, so she's written a book to guide everyone else uh, how to handle this emergency trend and paradigm from personal experience, which has started long before the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, The pandemic has forever changed the world in many ways, and some for the better. For one thing, it created a safe space for people to finally have some very candid conversations about mental health. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, Dr. Wiley found herself struggling with mental and physical health while working remotely, and it took her months to discover solutions and recuperate. In her book, Telecommuting Psychosis, From Surviving to Thriving While Working in Your Pajama Pants, Dr. Wiley shares her foolproof tips on how to manage your time, be more productive, set healthy professional boundaries, and protect and possibly improve your physical and emotional health. She also shares the research to support it. Whether you're a single generation Xer or a busy parent managing a household, This book offers solutions for everyone to thrive in a remote environment. Dr. Frida is a licensed pharmacist turned freelance medical writer and medical journalist who has written for O, The Oprah Magazine, U.S. News and World Report, Merck, and the National Institutes of Health. She was recently based in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. And without further ado, I'm so excited to talk about her upcoming book, and I will link in the show notes where you can get a hold of the book. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I have with me today a returning special guest, Dr. Frida Wiley, who's been a freelance medical writer up until this time, and she's about to become a first-time published author. So welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to be back. Good to see you again. Yeah, so I will definitely link to our first episode in the show notes so people can learn more about you. But could you just say a word about yourself, your background, and how you came up with this amazing title? I'll read it right now. Telecommuting Psychosis from Surviving to Thriving While Working in Your Pajama Pants. And is it, can it be any more fitting than what's been going on the last two years? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So uh, just a brief bit about me. So I have, I'm a pharmacist turned medical writer and consultant. I've been working as a freelancer for the last eight and a half, almost nine years. And I'm an accidental freelance uh, medical writer. And I stumbled into that actually while I was working from home. So as far as the title, uh, believe it or not, this book, even though I'm just now publishing it, it's something that's been in the works for eight years. So actually, I've been a telecommuter for the majority of my career, even when I was practicing as a pharmacist, because when I was a traveling pharmacist doing medication therapy management, I would work from home one to two days a week. And then when I transitioned into working for this managed care-based consulting firm in Hoboken, New Jersey, originally I expected to move there for the job, but they pitched me the idea of working from home when they found out I have remote experience. So much like many people across the country and all over the world uh, in 2020 who were thrown into telecommuting or became accidental telecommuters overnight, I landed in a similar situation about six years before that, six or seven years before that, but I went through it by myself. So I had started working on the book then because I had just noticed there were some things about me that were a little off. And when I would talk to people, family and friends, everybody was like, oh, well, you work from home. You don't have any issues. You're normal. You're fine. I'm like, but no, I feel terrible. So I just felt that this would be something to the title to kind of lighten up what's a very serious issue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have to admit I'm wearing a version of pajama pants right now, so I can definitely relate. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what I find interesting um, is that the older I get maybe, or the wiser I like to think I get, it's like you really see two sides of the coin almost immediately. Like, there can't be anything that's 100% perfect and anything that's 100% bad and evil, usually, right? Usually there's some sort of silver linings. Usually there's pros and cons. Usually, you know, you can see some benefits and some drawbacks. And the same thing with working remotely. Like now I've also transitioned, not due to the pandemic, because I worked in retail throughout that. Um, But as of this year, I've transitioned into my own business and now have this freedom and flexibility to work from home but there's certainly you know the elements the human element the interaction is now reduced to screen time which is amazing that we have the technology and tools that we couldn't even have imagined a pandemic without that right but um you know the innovation is great and that we've been able to make it work and everybody that has experienced this on such a large scale due to the circumstances can now relate to each other better. And I feel like it also opened up this um, personal side of professionalism too, where it's like people are juggling their kids in the background of their Zoom meeting. And, you know, there's lots of things going on. So I like that the human element is kind of more evident, I think, in a way. But also, we're not like, interacting in person and we're even scared of each other now because of the virus and so there's this different dynamic of working remotely yeah there definitely is and so my mission really with this I had tabled the book a few years ago when I first started writing it Um, some agents were interested uh, in particular one but then I kind of let some feedback make me table it but 
during the pandemic, the good thing about it, one of the many good things was that it created a safer space for people to start having these candid conversations about mental health. When I started working from home, I read tons and tons of books about being a telecommuter. And unfortunately, none of those books really talked about the mental aspect. They would say, okay, do these things to be productive, do these things to whatever, and excel in the environment, even though you're not seeing people in person. But then when it came to the mental aspect, it would basically say, oh, if you get sad or depressed or you feel lonely, go outside and take a walk, the end. So I knew that there was more to the story. And I spent all this time searching literature and different things. There really weren't that many studies back in 2012 and 2013 and 2014 that really addressed the mental health aspect of telecommuting. But we saw an uptick during the pandemic. So because of that, I decided to start investing the time in continuing the research. And there was so much uh, just enlightenment around it. And that kind of gave me the momentum to finish the book and put it out there. So it's not really about having it be a bestseller or 20 million people read it. It's really about if it helps one person, then I've done my job because there really is an aspect here. And I love what you said earlier about how now we're managing the kids or different things. People are managing pets or parents or whatever as well if they're caretakers. And now because there are so many more people who have or are still continuing to work from home, it's created a humanizing element that's compassionate. I remember one of our farm, or actually it was a doctor who had posted about how she was doing this video interview with some major news network. And then her 40 year old comes in <laughs> the room while she's on camera and you literally see her freeze. And when I was telecommuting initially full-time, th those types of human hiccups were not really forgiven. So I appreciate the fact that there is a bit more compassion around it. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever like new things come about, right. Or you feel lonely doing something like it's not very common. It wasn't very common 10 years ago to telecommute. Um, you know, it, it is maybe considered prestigious or maybe desirable and convenient on somewhat level, right. For people, but at the same time, it's, also kind of making your home life and your work life one and the same. And so there's no like off button, like you mm -hmm. could always keep going back to your office and doing more work. And like you said, you always have to continue wearing the professional mask, even when you're at home. So there is this level of like tension and you can't fully be at home and you can't fully be at work, uh, but you have to be both. Um, so it's definitely confusing when you're the only one doing it or you're a small percentage of people doing it and you're still expected to be 100% professional and, you know, 0% human at some points. And so, yeah, <laughs> I totally appreciate that now because we've had this collective experience, the humanizing element is just coming out and more accepted. And um, it's kind of shown a light on us, you know, being fully a professional self, right, at the work setting and not letting anybody into our personal life versus like being a more integrated self now and showing people both aspects much more readily than it used to be acceptable. Yeah, yeah. And so I really like the term you use, their professional mask, because 
again, there's, there's that pressure. We all have felt that insurmountable amount of pressure that we can't have these human moments. We can't be emotional. Uh, We have to keep it separate. But then one of the things I also talk about in the book is kind of how to create that separation between work and personal, even though you are juggling the family and whatnot. So, you know, one of the things that helps me, and it's an obvious no brainer to many people, maybe at this point, but having that dedicated office space, if you can, and uh, you had mentioned earlier, like having a, a someone to take care of the kids, a babysitter, whatnot. Um, a person I interviewed who's also a mom and an entrepreneur, mom of for lack of a better term, she actually sometimes will go work at a friend's house. So there are different things, that, but still, even when we feel that we have to keep up the professional mask for the public, there's still that challenge of communicating that to our family members and loved ones we live with, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> you know, what do you do? Put up a sign that says uh, office closed on the outside of the house. So, yeah. Do not enter. <laughs> Danger. Do not enter. Do not disturb. I know. And my husband has been, I guess we consider it fortunate too, to be working remotely for his role. And he, we were actually considering, like, we were reading productivity books too. And, like, reading the four hour work week and things like that. And considering like negotiating with employers, like I couldn't because I was in retail, I had to be on site. Um, But like for his role, he's in IT. So we were trying to get him to start thinking also about remote work and negotiating uh, for like some days at home. But then they were able to transition all of a sudden 100% out of a need to do so, right? And a desire. Um, and it turned out to work okay, but now we share an office space and it's like, we have to tell each other, oh, pretend I'm not here. Like, don't talk to me because I have work to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and I've heard that also from one of my friends uh, who lives in Chicago, she and her husband share an office space. So <laughs> sometimes I forget that when we talk because we'll be just chatting away and then all of a sudden you hear someone's voice. So yeah, we, you just find ways to manage it and find what works for you. And I think it also kind of create, it causes your brain to work in different ways, kind of this duality, something that I think many pharmacists already have. You can fill a prescription and listen to four or five conversations at a time. <laughs> I know the pros yeah. and cons yeah, of our multitasking brain. Um, so as a pharmacist, it's so cool that you were able to, um, you know, use your research skills, use your background and also lean into medical writing skills as well. And just utilize these skills in a completely different way, um, and write a whole book. So how was that transition from medical writing? How is it different? How is it the same? And what was your process like? My process was an erratic one because I've actually written other books, but this is the one that I'm putting out first and it took me the longest to write. So basically eight years. Uh, So it was one of those things where I think it was challenging because I write every day for a living. If I were doing other things, and I've heard this from other writers that 
it's harder to write a book when you write every day for a living. But then I know plenty who seem to do it with no problem. So maybe they have a superwoman or superhuman gene that I don't have. But um, it was more about I would write when I felt the flow. So sometimes as a medical writer, especially when you're on deadline and have projects that are depending on you to move things along, then you can't necessarily always write when the mood hits you. It's more about, I have to get this done. So I have to create the words. I have to put in the work, even if maybe right now those juices aren't flowing. But because of the degree of technical skill that's required, sometimes it's easier to do it in that space, depending on the type of medical writing you do you are doing. Like the more technical it is, usually I find anyway, the easier it is to write, even when you're experiencing writer's block or you don't feel like your level of creativity is at the top. So in this, this is obviously a crisis management self-help type book. So a lot of the information is factual, but I also insert a lot of personality into it because I tell my personal story, I tell my journey and how I dug myself out of that hole of telecommuting psychosis, the phrase that I made up. I mean, it's not on par with, with uh, you know, postpartum psychosis, but I kind of use that as kind of like a thing to get people's attention and, you know, as a buzzword. So that was a nice transition to have that skill set, but it's it's not quite the same. <laughs> Yeah, as an entrepreneur and a content writer myself, and, you know, I consider myself a creator of sorts, I can totally resonate with needing, like some free flowing creative space needing to get into that sort of different headspace versus like, 100% structured and logical technical space that you mentioned. Um, But I've also heard it said, you know, 99% perspiration, 1% inspiration. So, you know, I think you've got to try different things and see what works for you. But I definitely uh, resonate with needing like some sort of additional skill set or some sort of additional um, ways and and, uh, tools to get yourself into the more creative mode. Um, I feel like it's the, you know, sympathetic versus parasympathetic states, right, where you just want to nurture that parasympathetic and create from a safe place. And that's why we need to feel relaxed and stable and safe versus like meeting a deadline, which, you know, fires the sympathetic neurons. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't really think about it in a very scientific way, but that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, because normally for me, when I have writer's block, then sometimes I'll just start writing by hand as opposed to on the computer, or I'll go do something else creative that's wacky. Maybe I'll turn on music, dance around, whatever, Um, but do something else that works a different part of my brain to express myself. And then after relaxing, it's like, okay, well, I'm ready. Now the words are here. I can work. I can focus. So you're right. Yeah, I think it's like breaking that circuit. And like, even when you mentioned that kind of silly tip, if you feel sad, go get up and take a walk. It's like a (laughs) circuit, right? And also, there is some wisdom to that advice, even though it seems silly. 
Um, sometimes it's like the simplest things can be the most profound. It's just that we, our perception is, oh, it's so simple, it can't possibly work. Uh, but when we actually read into the science and the benefits of it, we're like, oh, actually, maybe now that does make sense and I will feel better. It's like taking a walk, you know, you're taking a break from the situation, you're getting up, you're doing some sort of physical movement, which is always nice and sometimes gets our endorphins going, depending on the activity, gets, you know, our blood circulating. Um, if we're going to take a walk outside, that's always nice being in nature, getting some sunshine, literally like the antidote for seasonal affective disorder or SAD acronym. So I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of insight there, even with our, you know, um, kind of old wives tales and little advice that sometimes doesn't make sense like that, but I can definitely, um, you know, see this catchphrase that was the title that you mentioned, and I can relate as the postpartum psychosis because I'm recently, you know, quite recently postpartum for the second time. Um, and so there's like kind of similar challenges, I think, that I mentioned before. I think the one of the worst feelings in the world is like feeling like you're suffering alone, like you're mm -hmm. the only one suffering. So when you started this remote journey and you felt like you were one of the only ones doing it, that can be quite ostracizing and lonely. So nobody can really relate to your level of what you're going through to your level mm -hmm. of, you know, challenges because they're not in your position. So the telecommuting psychosis, now everybody knows what that is. Now is the time to birth this book, you know, <laughs> and tell everybody how to cope with it. So what's, you know, What's been the inspiration and, you know, the idea behind releasing it? Why do people need this book right now and what will it help them do? Well, first of all, it goes back to what you just said. It'll let people know that they're not alone. And my inspiration was to actually put more context on it. I was completely isolated because for the first year, a little bit over the first year with that managed care consulting firm, I was the only remote worker in my department. Everybody else was in New Jersey. So when you mentioned the feelings of isolation, loneliness, and different things that go with it were intensified, definitely was for that reason. So that's the inspiration to let people know that they're not alone, to share the science, to back it up. But I don't leave them hanging with the whole, okay, this is my story. I went crazy. Here's the science showing that the more time you spend working from home, the crazier you get. No. It's not that. Uh, I also give you evidence and also some of my own experiences of what worked for me, how I dug myself out. So going back to the walking and not to trivialize that again, but it's great because getting outside, getting the vitamin D that also helps with depression and the SAD that you mentioned earlier. And I talk about protecting your eyes because protecting your eyes, staring at a computer all day, that also will help affect your vision, but also the mental health, health because it disrupts your pineal gland, different things like that. So it's all about helping people move forward and live their best lives or a better version of the life they already have. That's awesome. Yeah, those are some great tips that definitely have the science backing, but probably even just a few years ago, people would probably think like, oh, like that's kind of esoteric. Like, you know, you go out into the 
sunshine and, you know, what's the studies on vitamin D even and, and things like that. And, you know, what's the normal levels. And now we're seeing, oh, actually you need a lot more vitamin D. Oh, actually, yes, our eyes do get strained from computers and our necks from like looking at our phone and, you know, our computer and mm-hmm. our eyes need to like have the farsightedness and the nearsightedness. We can't just always be focused on digital screens and yeah, like the blue light glasses and things that are available now that, yeah, mm-hmm. just a few years ago, people like didn't consider these things. And it's so nice that we're finally being able to explain why this happens and to give people some tools of preventing or, you know, uh, lessening the strain of these challenges of working with technology all day long, whether or not it's remote even. Yeah. Yeah. And actually even with the blue light, it's important to get the message out there because there are studies that show that children, their eyes will absorb more blue light. So they are going to be affected more by blue light than adults. So, you know, everything is kind of a step in the right direction. The more education, regardless of what the medium is, the better. We can't have enough of it these days. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also like information overload. So it's nice to kind of have just like a clear perspective that is, you know, based in truth, evidence and experience and to be able to share your journey with others and really resonate with so many people. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you giving me a platform to get the word out there, help get the word out there. And, uh, you know, I hope again, that it'll be helpful to somebody so they don't have to go crazy <laughs> like I did, or they can recover faster. So, yeah. So I would love, um, for you to share with us, where can people get their hands on this book? When is the release date and any other messages that you feel like, you know, are, are really important, like who needs to really read this? Mm-hmm. So the book, I'm taking pre-orders and it will be releasing in just a couple of weeks and then it's on Amazon. And then as far as who needs the book, this book is really something for everybody. And that's part of the reason why I put the pajama pants in the title. So it's for the mother, the working mom, the mompreneur, it's for the working dad, it's for the the single millennials, the generation Xers, it's for everybody. And uh, even if you don't work in a remote setting, there are still tips in there that will help you survive and live your best life when you have an office job. Awesome. And I'd love for you to just share maybe any tips or guidance of anybody else who is either really struggling with mental health or anything else or your work-life balance, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like what, where can they go to find a solution besides reading the book? um, What has really, you know, maybe if you can share what has really been transformational in your journey? Yeah. So there are mental health associations out there, such as SAMHSA, also community. So one of the things that really helped me, especially when I first started telecommuting at full time was to connect with other telecommuters. I used to go to telecommuting co-working groups. Uh, some people rent office spaces and that's also an option. That's not really something that I did, but I found a lot of synergy and support from the co-working groups because these are people who 
have been there, done that, and are doing that. So those are just a few things to kind of get people started. I love that. Yeah, I think that's the number one message because like we both said, the number one problem is really the isolation and the loneliness, which is why the pandemic was even worse. It's like, Mm -hmm. to not get the virus, you need to be isolating. Uh, But then to isolate, you might get really sad and depressed and it lowers your immunity. So you might get the virus. So it's it's like one of the 22s. But I think exactly what my notion was like, the loneliness is really the worst part of anything, right? It makes the suffering worse. It makes everything worse, makes mental health worse because you don't see that other people are also struggling and it doesn't normalize your experience and you feel like you're the only, you know, freak that can't deal, right? Um, But when you see community, when you resonate with others, when you can relate to them and their challenges, there is some sort of solidarity with that and you can help each Mm -hmm. other overcome the challenge together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and so even with that, um, normalizing the experience also means that we have to make more of an effort to get out. So even during the pandemic with having to socially distance, I began to, like many people, focus more on the outdoors. And I was outdoorsy before, but I was really into it then. And beyond like the hiking and some of the plant walks and herbal things that I was doing, I actually started volunteering on farms. And that was a great way not only to get outdoors and and meet people from a quote unquote safe distance, but, you know, it it really helped to engage me with other people and recreate that, reestablish that human connection. Yeah. And I think the other side of it is like being in community with anything, whether it's with people or with nature, the elements, it gets you to be outside of your own self because suffering, if you're just with yourself all day long, you know, being with a computer and just in your home office and, you know, in isolation, you're the only one there. So you kind of need to give yourself space to get out of yourself you know, and give yourself a chance to connect, you know, to disconnect from yourself and to connect with everything else. And that Mm -hmm. is truly healing. Yeah, I fully agree. So hopefully this book will help other people to feel more connected in whatever way that might be, or help them at least give them some ideas. Yeah, well, I love it. I can't wait to get my hands in the book. Um, and I will link to the website and how you can order. Um, is there anything else you'd like to leave us off with? Uh, I wish everybody love, peace, and telecommuting antipsychosis. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Dr. Frida, for being thank here you. for the second time. All right, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksov. Thank you for your support and see you next time.